There she is. Oh, Yankee. Here she comes. You want to go on this? I that looks it. nice. We're all waiting with bated breath for you to sit. Is it going to happen? She's very, she's toying with us. <laughs> yeah. What is she coughing up? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. This means each week, two or one of us will explain a movie to the other two or one of us in its entirety. Since this is a center for spoilers, if you haven't seen this week's movie, tune out and tune back in once you have. For other spoiler timestamps, check out our Instagram and Twitter at WeExplainMovies. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to start off with what we watched this week, move into some movie-related questions, followed by the explanation, and then we're going to close out with our watchlist ads and recommendations. You're listening to We Explain Movies. Oh, should we close the door? Oh, I like it. Me too. Guys out there, do you really mind if you hear some cars go by? (laughs) Tell us in the comments. I don't think you mind. (laughs) No, if it gets too bad, we'll close it. But let's leave it open for now. You get get some ambiance. You get to, like, hear the soundscape of our world. Set the mood, okay? Yeah. Like, the the outside noises. (laughs) The spooky mood of... Ooh, of cars. Are those ghost cars? Ooh, you it's know, a like main really street. Traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe like a fun like siren will go off and then somebody will yell, my baby! And then you'll get to hear all of that. <laughs> Anyways, enjoy the, the sounds. And today we're doing a spooky episode. It's not a horror film, but it is a thriller. It's called Blowout, starring John Travolta, directed by Brian De Palma. Starring guest villain to be revealed. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I don't know. I'm excited to guess. Me too. Kevin Spacey. Oh, no. <laughs> Spoilers for us. That movies. is a horror movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But first, what did you watch this week? What did you watch this week? What did you watch this week? Do we want to do like TV into movies or movies into TV? Let's do TV into movies. Okay, dokey. TV into movies. Okay, well, um, I have another TV show to talk about, but it bounces off of a movie, so I'll talk about that one later. I just w- wanted to announce that I finished all of Desperate Housewives. Mm. Oh, wow, dude. R.I.P. my time with that show. It was a great show. It was. And I will cherish it forever. Maybe I'll go back and rewatch it someday, but I had a great time. I will say, though, it got me a little bit like, now that I am older than like the people on high school shows, I was like, wow, I really relate to these characters, but I found myself being like... Oh, I miss people being like, I like that boy. He doesn't like me. Not like, <laughs> we can't pay our mortgage, Greg. Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> Instead, it's like, I have to do sexy cleaning to pay my mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> my husband killed how many people? <laughs> oh, also, okay, this is like a little spoilery for the end of the show, but not really because it's vague. But it was half really emotional and half I wanted to like crack up because there's a part where they drive around the block one last time and they show all the people who have died i was like oh this is so emotional to like see all the people i love who have died but then i was also like look how many fucking people have died on this show yeah. it was like 30 people it's a lot on one street on one fucking street so that That's was pretty fun murder street yeah, yeah i was like you must you feel imagine? like a chant for surviving it yeah so that is what i watched on tv on tv i watched I'm currently watching Dope Sick, the Hulu miniseries about the creation and distribution of OxyContin. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. Michael I was Keaton. I curious if it would be good. Caitlin Deaver. Caitlin Deaver. Will Poulter? Huh? Will Poulter. Yeah. Um, 
And who else is in it? The guy who is the dad in Call Me By Your Name. Oh, Michael oh. Stolberg. Michael Stolberg. Oh, we love he him. plays Sa- the Sackler guy who makes the who it. Guy? Mm-hmm. His last name's Sackler. I think it's he invented it and he's mm-hmm. like this fucking rich. The problem is he's so powerful. In charge of making OxyContin in like in one of the most popular drug distributors or whatever it's called. I don't know anything about Big Pharma. Yeah, Big Pharma. <laughs> And he is big pharma? I don't know. I don't know anything about drugs. He's the biggest farmer. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like, devastating and fucking scary. Like, Mm. it's it's just wild. Yeah. Guys, there are sirens. Oh, hey, there's sirens. (gasps) My baby! (laughs) (laughs) Who is that? Who was that? (laughs) How'd she get so close to the microphone? (laughs) I'm sorry. That was a ghost. She's gone. Remember that time all your shoes fell out of your closet? I do. <laughs> and we thought it was a ghost. And anyways, the last thing that I watched, which is technically television, I guess. It's not really a movie. It's a mini series. Ah. Scenes from a Marriage. Oh. With my favorite people. My yeah. fucking favorite people. Yeah. Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac. Made for you. Here's the thing. Not super entertaining. Like, I can take a step back and say that. Mm. I don't, I haven't seen the original version. The original's a movie, right? It's a it, three-hour Swedish film. Three-hour okay. Swedish film. So, I, I'm sure that it is a lot like this in that it is very much of its title. Like, it's just scenes from a marriage. You're very much just watching an acting exercise, really. Like, you're just watching them do cardio, really. It kind of just sounds like if Marriage Story had elongated itself to a series. Yeah, yeah, no, you're exactly right. It feels like Marriage Story, and if I can praise it for anything, it's purely the acting. They are doing the most for me. Cool. <laughs> and I loved watching it. I just loved, like, you can tell very much that they have, like, really good chemistry and that they know how to hurt each other in like very like manipulative ways which is great for their relationship as actors and and as the characters I just like see their faults and I'm like you suck you know <laughs> mm-hmm. I kind of like how you watch Revolutionary Road oh, and gosh, you're like yeah. oh my god you're like guys <laughs> it sucks it hurts but like they did a good fucking job yeah but I will say like I think it was the third episode really got me and, like, I can see, like, reflections of, like, my own parents in them and kind of, like, understand it from a better place and realize that people who are, like, your parents, like, they're just people who decided to, like, get together. I don't know. It was really cool to watch it from that perspective. And I just applaud them for their work, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> uh, I will say, I think that bird might be a reason to shut the door. Fuck off, bird. <laughs> oh, he kind of listened to you. Now he's doing it from further away. He's like, how's this? I'll close the door. (laughs) You happy listeners? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking dicks. Stop. Okay. Stop coming after us. Okay. Movies that I watched. I watched Dune. What? Why would you do that? The 1984 one. Oh. That was the point. Did you feel the tension in the room? I was like, are they going to go, no? Or are they gonna be like, can you, are you fucking serious? Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely the, are you fucking serious? Right? I knock over this fucking candle. Why would you do that? <laughs> uh, listeners, this is, yeah, Dune is already out as we're recording this, but we have tickets to see it tomorrow. Yes. And we're so SF3. excited. Yes, we're so excited. We're gonna meet Keeks from Sweet Film Talk for real, in real person, real IRL. Life. 
But before that, I was like, let's be silly. <laughs> That's I watched, really fun. <laughs> I watched the 1984 Kyle McLaughlin, David Lynch directed dude, and it fucking slapped. <laughs> like, really? You liked it? <laughs> yeah, of course. It was so silly. <laughs> Did it feel Lynchian, or is it more linear than he normally Oh, it is? was so linear. I think the only thing Lynchian about it is the fact that, like, that man can take on... <laughs> A world in which there are sentences like, use the weirding way on the Benny Jesuit with the gom jabar on her hand, Kurt Sex Hatterack. Did you write that down? Is that a real line? Oh, that's a real line. It's not a real line, but those are all real words from Dune. Those are real words from Dune. Yes. Oh my god. Gom jabar. And Paul's name isn't just Paul, it's Paul Usul Mwadib. I remember Gumshabar in the book and just being like, I don't understand anything about this book. The whole book, and I'm just like, my brain is melting out of my ears. And then I watch it, and it still is like, David Lynch is like, keep up, I don't have time for you. Yeah, yeah. And I was Seriously. like, but it's visual and I could see it. And it's funny because reading the book, there was maybe three scenes I was able to fully picture in mm. my mind. Then I go and I watch the David Lynch version, and I have like the funniest letterbox in my head. I want to piss people off and, oh, no. and write, Dune is just Star Wars for babies. <laughs> I love it. Do it. But I know that um, I'll probably get doxxed. So <laughs> anyways, yeah, Cobb McLaughlin was a cutie in it. It was fun. Like the special effects were so bad at times that I'm like really looking forward to showing my students because, like, since Dune is on HBO, maybe I'll get, like, a good scene from Dune and compare mm-hmm. it. And I'll be like, let's look at how far special effects have gone. Because mm-hmm. my next unit is comparing, like, directors over time or, like, mm-hmm. genres over time. Like, we're going to watch The Birds in a Quiet Place and stuff. So oh, I want to cool. I want to show them two scenes. And they're just going <laughs> to make fun of me for having seen Dune. <laughs> the only other movie I watched was The Last Duel. Mm-hmm. It personally resonated with me and I really liked it. Um, I get that it's not going to be for everyone. And something cool that that we went into, um, or that I went into the movie knowing, is the night before Kaylee and I went to the movies, we talked to Emily, uh, the bartender. Oh, nice. Yes, and Emily just, like, hyped it up in a cool way that I appreciated, because you're going to go see it tonight. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't want to say too much, but she was like, I think it's important to just give, like, trigger warnings for, like, what the movie entails. And I was like, oh, thank you, that was actually, like, really appreciated, because... Yeah, trigger warning, there's depictions of things, and Mm -hmm. it's just an interesting movie, though, for the way that it's broken up into, like, three acts, and you're getting, like, a five-year time span from three different perspectives, Mm. and as you're watching it, you're like, gee, I wonder which one's true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's obviously the woman's, um, just because the way that these men were back then, and nothing has changed in the time since, except, you know, you're not getting set on fire anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that embarrassing? It's very embarrassing. There were, like, direct lines from it, which I can tell, like, obviously it's written in 2020 by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, but also they brought in um, Nicole Holofcener to write a lot of Jody's lines and just to really put a woman's perspective into the script, and she got top billing in the script for uh, who wrote it. They clearly took lines that politicians and people of today use to discount rape, to discount a woman's opinion, to discount just anything about what a woman says, and it just it just resonates so hard, and there's, like, very clear instances of, like, oh, this is exactly how it went for Chanel Miller during the Brock Turner case, and, oh, we're looking at it in a 1300s perspective. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard to watch, but I thought it was well done, and I personally liked it. That's what I watched this week. Okay, well, I'll move into um, one of the movies I watched this week because it leads me to my secret TV show. Uh, I watched Urban Legend because Nick told us that was his recommendation when he came on the podcast. And I was like, I'm going to watch it. And I got it from the library and I watched it. And I was actually like pleasantly surprised. It's not like the best movie I've ever seen, but it was pretty good. And the opening scene, I texted him. I was like, holy shit. It was like 
it was really solid for an opening scene. I won't tell you what happens. I think I already spoiled it for Courtney, yeah. but uh, essentially it's like a woman doing everything the right way, and so you're like really on her side, and then there's like a twist to the opening. So it was really, really cool. Um, but essentially Jared Leto is in it, like a little baby Jared Leto, and I text Nick, I was like, God, why does he have to be so beautiful and so weird? Like, why can't he just be normal? Then it inspired me to start watching My So-Called Life, which is oh, yeah. on Hulu. And there's <laughs> only one season, so I was like, it's not even a commitment, um, 19 episodes, and I'm like halfway through. Um, I just watched Land on an Airplane. With oh, Robin. right. I forgot you were on an airplane. Yeah. With Robin Wright. I really liked it because it it came out around the same time as Nomadland, and it had more stuff in it that I wish Nomadland had. Mm. It just didn't have the scope of Nomadland. Interesting. There's more of like a narrative and like conflict going on rather than we're just watching people like live day to day. Oh, yeah. I liked the beautiful shots of nature and stuff like that. The Robin Wright character has a friendly relationship with another character that kind of drives the movie. I really liked that. And there was a reason for her being out there that I felt was justified. But then it's fucking over. (laughs) And there's like, there's not really a climax Mm -hmm. or like falling action or anything like that. And that was kind of a bummer. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, the only other couple things I watched, I watched all three Matrix movies in prep to plug the fact that I'll be on Super Serious Movie Men talking about all of them with Daniel. Also in prep sort of for December when the fourth one comes out. And then I got to see for the first time before my next movie, I got to see the trailer for the new Matrix movie on the big screen in IMAX and I was like, holy shit, I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, I went to go see the new James Bond movie yesterday. Just impulsively, I was like, I want to go do something fun. So after work, I went straight to the theater. I had a really fun time. I will say, overall, I liked it. If I were, like, for a James Bond movie, I'd probably give it a 9.5 out of 10. But for, like, a movie, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Like, <laughs> a 7.5 or an 8. Because okay. it was fun. It was entertaining. Weirdly, I felt like some of the gripes I had seen with it I didn't agree with. Like, You'd I, seen gripes about it and you didn't agree with those With opinions? the gripes, yeah. Okay. Like, with some specific ones. Like, I saw a lot of people being like, Rami's barely in it and they didn't do any good writing for him. And I was like, he's actually in it, like, a decent amount. Like, mm-hmm. he's not, maybe not as much as people wanted, but he shows up, like, I don't know, eight different times. That's mm-hmm. quite a few times. And one thing I will say, though, is that in the promo pics of him, you're like, oh, they're they're making his face all, like, burnt or something. And in the movie, I felt like it started to fade. Like, there was a scene where I literally couldn't tell <laughs> they had tried to make his face look different. I'm mm. like, are you guys, like, did you, did, you, did you give up? Or is it, like, that you thought it would stand out, but then, like, just the texture of his face kind of, like, blends? The, I don't know. It was really weird. I'm like, he looks the same. <laughs> But I thought he did a really good job as the villain. I thought that the ending of the movie was really good. I wish I had done, like, a recap of what the other movies yeah. you know, talked about before I watched it. I meant to, but I did it so oh, I would not care to do that. There's I would just definitely, like, I'm pretty sure there's, <laughs> like, be like surprise me. one James Bond movie that I have not even seen. Do you feel like it wrapped oh. him up in a good way? Definitely. I thought that the ending was, like, a really good... Twist isn't the right word because you could see it coming, but I was like, wow, what a clever way to do that. And Ana de Armas, she definitely is only in it for like a second, 
but she was awesome. I was like, how are you so beautiful? She is so beautiful. And she's wearing the most beautiful dress, and she does all these cool stunts in her beautiful dress, and she has one of those, like, little, the fucking, the thing. A leg holster. The little leg holster. I was like, God, wow. you're so cool. So that is my review. <laughs> nice. That's it. That's what we watched this week. So our first question in the room is, who's your favorite horror director? I'm not going to do honorable mentions because it would steal from both of you. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> so instead, my one true answer is Mike Flanagan. Oh, I, I thought you would say that. I love him. That's not who I thought you were going to be. Well, I did. I feel like there's only two other options, and I was yeah. like, that will be for her and her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what you two come up with. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I last Halloween went through all of his films, and it was really fun. I, I think my Oculus review really sums it all up because it's funny, and I said something along the lines of like, how you know it's a Mike Flanagan film, Glowing Eyes, mm. My Wife, Kate Siegel, <laughs> and, like, all these other yeah. things. Um, he really, religious trauma, yeah. he keeps bringing the same things back, and I just like the man's themes, and I love the way his films look. Mm-hmm. There is just, like, this color palette that he uses. There's so many shots of hands in his movies, mm. and I think that it's used really effectively just in the close-ups to, like, add to the story, and I, I don't... Totally think there's a bad one in the bunch, like Gerald's Game slaps. I hate the misuse of a hearing actress in Hush. Right. Obviously, it's his wife. Right. (laughs) Obviously. Who also wrote it. Yeah, so I'm just kind of like, that's your one bad one, because I don't agree. (laughs) But Dr. Sleep is phenomenal, and I finally did it. I just bumped my rating up to five stars. I was like, I don't care anymore. If I keep going back for this, it's up there. And obviously, we all love Hill House. Bly Manor, I'm really itching to rewatch, and Midnight Mass really did it for me. I'm trying to think if there's any more that I would like to just shout out. Like, Ouija is fun. It's like a mm. fun Annabelle-type movie that's yeah. not Annabelle. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I love Mike Flanagan. I'm excited for the more he does. I think he's an amazing Stephen King director. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. he deserves it. I want a long walk from him. Mm. Uh, oh, that would be fun. That would be fun. He's got another one that... I think is going to come out. I don't know. It's been, like, just on Letterboxd for a while, but this I don't know our, if it's going to happen. Wait, Courtney, say it again. Breathe it into existence that he'll do a long walk. Did you hear yeah. that Mike Flanagan is going to direct The Long Walk? <laughs> Sick. By Stephen King, uh-huh. I did a.k.a. Hear that. Richard Bachman? I think I heard that. I yeah. am excited. Um, who do you want to see in it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that'd be really cool. Hell yeah. Mr. Flanagan, love you. Senior Flanagan. My honorable mention, I know that's risky, but I doubt that you're going to say this, is Jordan Peele. Okay. I thought that was your answer. Oh, no. My honorable mention is Jordan Peele. Um, obviously, I mean, who doesn't fucking love Get Out? Get Out's awesome. But just the other day, I didn't say this in what I watched this week because I want to talk about it here. I rewatched Us, and I was like, I'm literally obsessed with this movie. <laughs> like, every time I watch it, I'm just so happy, and it's so fucking creepy, almost to a degree where I'm like, I'm surprised this doesn't give me nightmares, but I love it so much and Elizabeth Moss in that movie is so fucking scary when she does her little like laugh through her hair hanging in front of her face I was like is that the scariest part of this movie (laughs) um it's awesome I'm still like out here trying to be like nominate women in horror movies Lupita deserved awards um my real answer is Wes Craven because Mm. he's done two of my favorite horror movies of all time Nightmare on Elm Street, and Scream, which we're going to go see tonight. How yes. fun. And he directed all the Scream movies. Obviously not the new one, because he passed away. And although I haven't seen his versions of these movies, um, he made, wrote, and directed the original, uh, is it called Last House on the Left? 
and the original Hills Have Eyes. I hate both of those. And, well, they both <laughs> feature, like, aggressive rape scenes. So much rape. <laughs> which I haven't seen them. Um, I don't think they are for me, but again, he made those, like, way back in the day. So, like, he's been making shit that lasts forever. So, yeah, Wes Craven. Cool. Wow. Now I feel like I can do an honorable mention, I suppose. You can. You can. You know what? This question was hard because I tried to remember exactly when it was the last time that I was truly scared by a movie. Mm. Oh, you know? I haven't been in forever. I know. I feel like <laughs> because like, I just enjoy them now like as like entertainment, yeah, yeah. you know? I'm not like, oh, it's like scared or anything yeah. like that. To be honest, though, like the jump scare and Invisible... Uh, man. man with the paint got me. You guys, I remember when I watched the end of Saint Maud with you. We all jumped at the fucking scary demon or whatever the fuck it was. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that part was pretty wild. Like I, I'm just, I just wish that I could be a kid again and like not be able to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do not. I, I do miss that feeling of a movie actually scaring me because now a jump scare is not really. I'm not scared. I'm right. just more like, oh, that was loud. But yeah. I, I do yeah. miss something like actually viscerally affecting me. Yeah. Like, in a fun way. But now, like, Daniel and I watched a documentary the other day about the Capitol riot, and that scared me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was over here shaking and about to cry. Yeah, honestly, oh, you know what? The last time I was really scared by a movie was fucking, um... A COVID movie? No, not the COVID movie. What is it? We did it on the pod. I did it on the pod. Oh, Greenland. Greenland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That movie scared me. (laughs) I was scared. All right, well, here's here goes. These are basic bitch answers. Okay. I know it. My honorable mention is Ari Aster. Yeah. Oh, because that's your honorable. That, I thought yeah. that would be your answer. <laughs> no, because I don't really see his movies as horror. Oh. Mm. You know, I mean, I think Hereditary is pretty fucking scary and horrifying. Yeah. Like, I was very viscerally affected <laughs> during that movie, and I haven't seen it since. <laughs> but it's, like, a really good movie. But... Midsummer is not a horror it's movie. It's not. Well, on your first watch it is. But yeah. on every other watch, yeah. you're like, I feel calm and I feel good. <laughs> That's why it's my honorable mention. Yeah. I just, I love him as a filmmaker. I can't wait to see what he does next. I don't know what he's doing next. He's doing a comedy, a four-hour-long comedy. <laughs> okay, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> About a family in crisis. So I'm sure it's not going to be funny. Comedy, <laughs> comedy seems in quotes with Ari I know, Ari Aster's like, it's going to be traumatic. Like, wait till they hear this. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, get this. It's called Funny Games. <laughs> it's called Happy, Happy Family Time. It's called We Need to Talk About Kevin. <laughs> um, but my real answer, also pretty basic bitch, is Robert Eggers. Okay. that mm, okay. I think I, As soon as you yeah. said Ari Aster, I was like, it's got to be that one. His movies are disturbing and I think like artistic in ways that like really get my itch. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I'm like... You mean sexually. Scratches your fanny. I mean exactly that, Kayleen. I mean sexually. <laughs> I think I said it here before. I would love to marry him. You know? I would love to fuck Black Phillip. I've said <laughs> it here before. <laughs> I just think his shit is high art. And I'm not saying that, like, ironically. Like, yeah, I think yeah. that's the truth. Yeah, it is. I think that he is a genius in his realm... And I think that he's very dedicated to his craft. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you can see that in his work. And I love that. His movies are fucking creepy. Like, mm-hmm. I think that what it, I'm into now is, like, being disturbed rather than scared. I guess, yeah. You know? Like, I'm sure something could still scare me if it's, like, like I was scared of the piano teacher. <laughs> <laughs> 
but but I mean more so like I just wish that something was actually scary. Uh, yeah. In the in the way that it's meant to be. What like does Halloween that say scary. about us? Um, that we're adults. That we're adults, <laughs> but also that we're bored. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like I. But I also think with how many movies us three watch, we're a little more desensitized than maybe yeah. someone like your sister. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm like yeah. sad that I'm desensitized. Cause... Like she was scared shitless about the Babadook. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second question is, what's your favorite movie in the Criterion Collection? I'll go last for this one because I'll let you two go crazy. I'll go first. I would like to make my honorable mention the one that is one of my most favorite movies of all time. It's The Breakfast Club. I was shocked at how few of the movies I love are in the Criterion Collection, but The Breakfast Club is. And upon my dissection of it for my episode of the podcast with Take Three, a movie podcast... I was like, this really solidifies why I love this and how, like, high art I feel like it is. It's just, it's flawless in my opinion. That's cool that that's in there. My real answer, because it's a more recent obsession, is the Before Trilogy. Mm. And there is a special three, all of three of them collection that you can buy and it's like eighty dollars. Wait till the one of their fifty percent off sales. That's why. That's why when Daniel just said that, I was like, God damn it, that would have been my chance. <laughs> um, also because they're like nearly impossible to find, not the Criterion versions. Like even mm. on Amazon, they were like, we only have these expensive Criterion versions. Mm. But I just I loved them when I watched them most recently. I don't know which is my favorite because they all serve such a different need. Like the first one I love because it's so romantic. The second one I love because it's kind of like a what-if type of movie, and it also is, like, so quick. It's in real time. And then the third one is, like, the kind of scenes from a marriage version of it, where you're <laughs> like, God, marriage is tough. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was obsessed. I thought they were so good, and it makes sense that they're in there. This is hard. I'm going to say my true answer before I say my honorable mention. Interesting. Um, go on (laughs) my my real answer is a marriage story oh oh that's in there very cool i mean i've already talked about it lots of times it's like one of my top five movies yeah but my honorable mention i think is a movie that doesn't get enough acclaim or notice is wildlife Mm. that was one of mine (laughs) yeah sick it's like really good yeah like courtney and i were like really impressed and when i rewatched it with all my carrie stuff i was like damn bitch yeah. And that's me talking to both her, Jake Gyllenhaal, Paul Dano, and Zoe Kazan. <laughs> and so Bill good. Camp. So good. It's so... I don't really want to say anything about it. Like, you should just go watch it. It's yeah. really good. It's on Netflix yeah. right now. Oh, it is? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch that. So Wildlife is one of my honorable mentions, and I just felt like there's so many in here that are honorable mentions, because I've only seen them once. Mm. Like, Memories of Murder, the Bong Joon-ho film... Portrait of a Lady on Fire by Celine Sciamma and Mulholland Drive by David Lynch. Oh, that's a good one. Those are all really good ones. And I think if I ever were to actually buy one, it would definitely be the Mulholland Drive one because I just love the look of it. Yeah. And I kind of just want to own that movie to to go back. So I suppose that's my answer. The only other one that I kind of want to throw out there because it is like one of the ones in the Criterion that I've seen countless times. Like I would wager I've seen this movie more than anyone else on the planet. (laughs) Is Bowling for Columbine. Oh. Like, I owned that DVD and I, I watched think I it. I knew they did documentaries. They do. There's just some documentaries that I'm weird about and yeah. I, I watched like them. Like Jesus Camp. Like Jesus Camp belongs in the Criterion Collection, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Very cool. Good questions. Alrighty, guys. Getting into Blowout. We can't do predictions yet because I told the girls I wanted to do a little guessing game first because 
I just feel like since I do old movies, I often don't let you guys watch trailers because old movies be spoiling shit. And this trailer is fine to watch, but it spoils the villain. So here's my clue, my big clue on the villain. He has played a famous villain on TV. He's played a famous villain on TV. Maybe famous is like the wrong word to say, but he has played a villain on TV and a lot of people know about it. Have we all seen it? Yes. Mm. I think I I know. (laughs) No, no, no. Also, think of the time it was made. The movies in the 80s. Oh. Well. So it's just a young version of this person. Oh, a young version. I know. (laughs) (laughs) What did you know so fast? Okay. We've all watched... What are some shows we've all watched? It has it has to be. I, yeah. <laughs> we've all watched Dexter. Yes. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It, oh, wait. Can I guess now? Yeah. Because <laughs> I think Is it John Lithgow? Yeah. yeah. I was like, it has to be Trinity. It has to be the Trinity well, Killer. Trinity you get killer. that so fast. Because Kaylee and I, like, recently watched the yeah, Trinity Killer. Yeah, you guys killer. watched it yeah. recently. Yeah. yeah. That's easier. Yeah. Nice. So this is where he was born. Um, okay 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 government conspiracy oh i'm thinking government conspiracy he heard something he wasn't supposed to hear me and it it results i just like listened to a my favorite murder episode where they talk about like a murder that they tried the government essentially or the conspiracy theory is that the government tried to play the murder off as a suicide Mm -hmm. or an accident or something Mm -hmm. And it was actually, like, the government trying to, like, cover up a drug drop or something. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I just got it. Blowout, like a tire blowout. Yeah. Got it. Got it. But also, also like, a speaker blowout. But also, like, her hair, because it was blown out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm getting more serial killer vibes than government oh. conspiracy. You think it's a serial killer? Sure. Oh. It was John Lithgow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing John Travolta was, like, out in the night trying to record owl sounds for his horror movie, mm. and he heard... He, like, picked up this and yeah. then later could hear it. I don't know. It sounds like he went blabbing and is going to get his girlfriend killed. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, does he know John Lithgow? And it's like he comes face to face with him, I'm thinking. Or maybe it's like he takes the tape to the news and is like, I heard this. And then mm-hmm. he starts getting messages from John Lithgow being like, you didn't hear shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, or, okay, so he's running through a crowd with headphones on, and he's, like, listening to something. Yeah. Interesting. And I I think it's one of those parts in the movies where the murderer or whatever, it, or the villain is on the on the phone or mm. something, or, like, describing, some, he's trying to figure it out as it's happening, and he's, like, trying to save his girl, and he's, like, you thought this was leading you to a clue. Mm. Well, the clue is, your girlfriend's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I, since there's no cell phones, the I'm clue is there's a bomb in your chest. I'm thinking he sent him a. I'm thinking he sent him a, a cassette. cassette tape, yeah. and it's like follow my clues, like the Book of Henry. <laughs> no one could laugh about the Book of Henry with me. I just should explain it on the pod. <laughs> um, so he's like following it, and it's gonna lead to his wife getting, your girlfriend getting killed in front yeah. of a bunch of people and stuff like that. It feels huh. very Dexter-y. Yeah, yeah. It's, huh. so, so, Everything about John Lithgow's performance just got more and more dextery. I was like, really? dang. What? Okay, okay. So you heard the thing where he says, like, there was a gunshot and then a tire blowout and then a blah, blah, blah. Why is someone shooting that car? Oh, this woman. What if she escaped from him and she's, like, driving away? I'm it going with my government. I guess, yeah, it seems government-y. Mm. She's, like, some kind of whistleblower. Yeah. Or got something. It. And they murder her to cover it up. 
but he wasn't supposed to be there. He wasn't supposed to hear the cover-up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like a car going into the water. Oh, so it seemed like an accident, so it was but he... made to be like an accident. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the whistleblower or idea, and he shows this to his boss... It seemed like they were walking down a hallway of, like, executives, and it seemed very reporter-esque, but he's supposed mm. to be making horror movies, so I don't know who he's showing it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Cool. Oh, yeah, and John Lithgow's, like, on his cassette tape, like, don't you like horror movies? <laughs> What's your favorite right? scary he did movie? Not say that. I know, but I bet that's going to happen. Like, yeah. he's going to be like, isn't this what you wanted? It's the most oh epic horror movie. <laughs> your life! Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think those are good because you'll have more stuff at the halfway point. Okay. I, I, like need, a, I need a bit more. I like um, it. Are there funny names in this? No, they're pretty basic. Ooh. I have yeah. a recurring question that I feel like I've asked on this pod before. Okay. How do we feel about John Travolta as an actor? You know what's oh. funny? I found a letterbox review. This person said something like, this movie made me feel so strange because... Is he hot? Is he not? Is he a good actor? Is he not? And there was one other thing, but it was basically like, John Travolta's an anomaly to me, and I never understand him. I feel like that's how I feel. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. I feel the same way. I think he rose to fame completely via the rocket ship of Scientology, just rocketing him up there. Mm. And from there, Greece, everything else. Like, I really feel like Scientology was like, he's our poster boy because he's kind of like a manly man. He's yeah. kind of, I bet he was hot at the time. I think now <laughs> the extreme hairstyles that he was rocking don't really work for today. The face structure is the like. The face structure was very like. He has a like, huge, which I. Butt chin. <laughs> he has like a bit, I mean, yes, technically a butt chin, but like huge chin dimple. Like it yeah. just goes inward really yeah. far. I yeah. guess it's not really a butt chin. I don't know what I feel like are. his face structure was the like. Poster, poster child, child of yeah. masculinity back It really then. was. And now we're into, like, more sensitive, more, like, well, soft kind I of think voice. he might have been, like... I want a sickly Victorian child. I, I think he was riding the line of, I have all the things that you check off your list of masculinity, but I'm, like, but thin enough. But I can enough, sing and dance. And, um... <laughs> <laughs> but he has something about him that's still very sensitive, which yeah. is why he was able to get these like romantic leads. Oh, and yeah. like boy in the plastic bubble and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah true, he definitely. True. I I just have to share this. I went onto the Greece letterboxed page, and the tagline for Greece makes no sense to me, and it sounds like a joke. Oh. What is it? Actually, I think I've heard it before. No, you have not. It's the so... Greece. No. <laughs> like. Logline or something? The Grease Logline? What is it? It's not Grease is the word, which is what it should be. No. It... It's, he was in Grease. I don't get it. No, Just I he was in Grease? He was in Grease. And I'm like, is this about John Travolta? Like, he was in Grease? What? I'm so confused by it. No, I've never Sounds like that. an innuendo. It really We've does. He was in Grease. I, that's never said in the movie, and I was like racking my brain through this song, and it's like, the song is all about Grease is the word, it's the time, it's the place. Yeah. He was in Greece. Maybe they got the tagline wrong. Like, they must have. Instead of Greece is the word, they were like, no, I think it's he was in Greece. <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, so if the the theme is, or like whatever, Greece is the word. Yeah. And Greece is a time and place. And the he moment. was in and Greece. Moment, maybe him being in Greece is <laughs> it's like. It's a state of being. Yeah. <laughs> I want every John Travolta movie tagline to be he was in Greece. <laughs> Blowout. He was in Greece. Greece. New York, the greatest city in the world. God, he was in Greece. Greece. 
face off. Yeah, their faces get taken off, but he was in Greece. <laughs> but did you hear he was in Greece? Uh, Greece. Oh, oh, hairspray. He was in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Look who's talking to. <laughs> That's how I feel about John Travolta. I yeah. agree with all of those yeah. sentiments. That yeah. he was in Greece. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm like, that's a positive. <laughs> the next yeah. time that you do a movie that stars John Travolta and I again. Because I will do it again. Yeah. yeah she and will. I ask this question again, yeah. your response to me will be like, Kimmy, you know what? He was in, <laughs> he Greece. Was in Greece. When you say, is he hot? I'll say, well, he was in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> so he must be. And I'll be like, I'm oh, right. Must John Travolta be hot? Can't it be enough that he was in Greece? <laughs> Must John Travolta be a good actor? Can't he just be in Greece? <laughs> okay. First fun fact about this movie is that it's a remake, kind of, I wrote, of the movie Blow Up, which I want to say was from the 60s. But Blow Up is also in the Criterion Collection. It's a very, very similar story, apparently. However, it's not about a sound guy. It's about a photographer. That's funny. That's like a, can I copy your homework? But make it different? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like pretty soon we're going to get one that's called Blow In. But, <laughs> and it's about somebody making a Zoom. <laughs> and it'll be Blow In and then like with an apostrophe at the end. And it'll be about so cam por- girls. Uh, yeah, cam girls. I was oh. going to say porn. Blow In. Blow and, In. Yeah. And a cam girl... It'll Witnesses. also be a DUI. Blow in like Blow you in. do to the yes. fucking so thing. So a, <laughs> a cam girl is camming with one of her clients and he gets pulled over by the cops because he's drunk and she witnesses him kill the cop. And then he looks at the cam girl and he's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Are we millionaires? Are we millionaires? Those Criterion, here we come. <laughs> they can't deny us. Yeah, they can't deny us. The second fun fact is kind of fun because we were all just talking about John Travolta and how he got famous and stuff. He got cast in Pulp Fiction because Quentin loved this movie so much mm-hmm. and liked him in it. So he was like, that guy's going to be in Pulp Fiction. And also the Church of Scientology was like, you better fucking put him in there. You don't put him in Pulp Fiction? <laughs> Quentin, do you want to be a Scientologist or not? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Here we go. Guys, I'm excited. There's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. The movie opens. There's a house party at a sorority. There's a policeman outside of the house, and he's, like, looking around. It's clear there's something weird going on, like a murderer on the loose or something. We're also at the point of view of the murderer, and so the murderer, like, sees the cop looking in the house, and we see all these, like, different scenes going on in the house. So we see these two girls who are in lingerie, like, dancing to music, And then this, like, nerdy girl next door in the sorority comes in. She's like, stop doing that. And they're like, get a life, Susan, or some shit like that. (laughs) And then she leaves. And then we, like, go to another room. And we see this couple having sex. But it's, like, super fake looking. Like, his... Baby sex. His underwear is still on. And, like, Mm -hmm. her titties are, like, flopping all over. It's, like, just about her titties. (laughs) But it's, like, definitely very fake sex. And then she's like, someone's outside. Oh, my God. And then we're still following the point of view of the... (laughs) Kimmy, it's not that funny. I'm sorry. I was trying to think of something funny to say. And all I can think of is when Courtney says that joke from The Office, it's like my favorite joke. Missionary? Oh, Lady on the Back? Lady on the Back. I was like trying to think of something. You freak? I was like, (laughs) he's doing it with Whitey Tidy's on style. (laughs) You freak? You did it with Whitey Tidy's on, didn't you? (laughs) That's funny. 
<laughs> Nobody give me wine you before You did it with your record. boobies out, didn't you, you freak? <laughs> you did it with your boobies out. <laughs> you fucked naked, didn't you, you freak? <laughs> <laughs> you just laid out her back, didn't you, you freak? Oh, oh man. We've only just begun. We've only this just is why begun. I really shouldn't drink what we do episodes. Excuse me? <laughs> Kimmy had half a sip of a wine. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, anywho, we're at the point of view of the murderer still. We go into the house, and, like, people aren't noticing him, and he goes and, like, kind of is spying on some girls, but then he goes into the room where all the showers are, and he goes in there, and we finally get a shot of the murderer, and it's, like, really fucking funny. He kind of looks like Stephen King, but he has his, like, head all the way over on his shoulder as if he has, like, a crooked neck. It's not John Lithgow? And it's, like, some random. And he's, like, doing this weird, like, little hunch, and he has a knife, and it just looks, like, so insane. And then he walks... Oh, it's a horror movie. It's a horror movie, yeah. There we go. (laughs) It's more obvious when you're watching it, but I was trying to see how long I could get away with it. It was was a while. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, like, that is a point, too, where you're, like, this is definitely a horror movie, because he looks fucking ridiculous. (laughs) And there's a girl taking a shower, and it's through a a curtain, but the curtains are see-through, so you see her boobs, like, the whole... It's all about her boobs. And then he opens the curtain and goes to stab her, and she's like, I wish I could remember exactly how it sounds, but it's literally like, oh, ah, ah. And then, And then the movie pauses, and we just hear John Travolta go, that is the worst scream I've ever heard in my life. And they're in an editing room. It's him, the director, and, like, some other guy. And they're kind of arguing about the scream. And the director gets mad at him. He's like, well, why'd you put that effect in there? He's like, that's not me, dude. That's your actress. Like, she just sucks at screaming. And he's like, well, I didn't hire her for a scream. I hired her for her boobs. Oh, my God. And then he's like, you know, is this important enough to fix? Like, Jack Jack is the, the name of John Travolta's character. And he's like, I'd say we just move on because he knows these movies aren't, like, good. So he's like, who gives a shit? But the director's like, no, we have to fix it. And he's kind of arguing about it. And he goes, how many movies have we worked on together? And Jack goes, well, there was Bloodbath, Bloodbath 2, Bad Day at Bloodbath Beach, Bordello <laughs> of Blood, and that brings us to Co-Ed Frenzy. Isn't Bordello of Blood the... Tales from the Crypt yeah. movie. Oh my yeah. God. And this was made way before. However, Tales from the Crypt was in production hell like, even though it didn't come out way after this movie, it was in, like, people knew it existed before this movie, oh. so it's like, maybe they were referencing it, maybe it's a coincidence, but I thought that was pretty funny, too. The director's like, okay, well, if anything, we at least need a new wind sound effect, because I've heard this in, like, all the other movies you've made for me, and Jack is like, well, yeah, it's the one I use all the time, and he's like, you can tell, go get a new wind sound effect, um, but yeah, you can tell that Jack doesn't really care about it, but it is his job, so he's like, all right, because he's not working on big, cool movies. They're, like, these silly little, especially back in the 80s, people didn't give a shit about these kind of little B-horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't love them as much as we do now. The opening credits start to roll, and we see these back-and-forth cuts, which eventually end up doing, like, a split screen for the whole of the opening credits. But Jack is watching the news, and they're talking about the run for president. And they say that Governor McRyan is leading the polls by, like, a landslide. Next in line is the current president, but he's, like, definitely not going to win. And then no one is even close to those two. And so that's, they're kind of talking about all this shit on the news while he is organizing all his sound clips. And because it's older, it's, like, even more, less digital. So he has all these, like, actual reels of sounds and he's labeling, like, thunder, glass shattering, and, like, hanging them all up, presumably for the movie he's about to do. Like, he's finding them in his little shop and, like, hanging them up. It's pretty cool. 
And we get to, like, see him doing all that while we see the TV telling us kind of, like, some background it is stuff. government conspiracy. Yeah, I think it's government. He killed the <laughs> the president's mistress. Something. Mm. Um, and so another thing they talk about on the TV is that there's a celebration coming up called Liberty Day to celebrate 100 years since the Liberty Bell was last rung. So they are in Philadelphia, and that's where they're going to have this big party, parade, and fireworks. The next scene starts, and this is like when we kind of get the idea that this movie is using a lot of very noir vibes, like the colors, the cinematography, and the soundtrack, especially the soundtrack, get very noir style. Love it. And continues throughout the film, but I probably don't have it in my notes after this. Um, This is the part you see in the trailer where Jack's on the bridge with that really long, like, kind of stick-shaped microphone, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of, it kind of looks like it acts like binoculars, so wherever you're pointing it, it's like, it goes really far, the range of the microphone, Mm. and so if you hear something, you have to point it over there so that it actually picks up that sound, but it goes really far, so he can hear, like, a frog croaking in the distance, that's how good it is. So he picks up a bunch of sounds. He went out there to record the wind, but he also gets, like, that owl is out there, the frog is out there. He hears, like, a couple talking and kind of eavesdrops on them, which is funny. And then I didn't realize how much it would actually show this in the trailer, so maybe you guys picked up on this, but you probably wouldn't have thought twice about it. He hears this one sound that I thought was very interesting, and so I decided to play it for you on the podcast. This is a very interactive episode. (laughs) Yeah, so this is the thing I was saying we've never done before, and I was excited about it. Uh, This is from the movie, so for you guys, here's the sound. Oh, scary. And it's not something that you're, like, immediately going to think of. It's not, like, an obvious sound. It's kind of, like, a reveal later. But do you have any guesses as to what it might be? I will say you're probably not going to guess, like, what it actually is, because that would be really weird. But just what do you think maybe it could have to do with, or what does it sound like? It sounded methodical. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was all perfectly timed and stuff. Yeah. Somebody lighting a match and then throwing it away. (laughs) That's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. I thought it sounded kind of like a whetstone situation. Like you're, oh, like you're carving? Like you're sharpening mm. something. This isn't right, but you know that part in Sweeney Todd where they sharpen the switchblade on a piece of leather? Mm. Kind of like that, but it definitely sounds like metal on metal in a way. Okay. Mm. Yeah, those are good guesses. It has to do with something bad. <laughs> but he hears that, and honestly, as a listener, the first time I watched it, I didn't think twice about it, but on the rewatch, I was like, oh, fuck, we know what that is now. Um, So he hears that sound, and after that, we hear, in the distance, a car coming up. So then he points his microphone toward where it sounds like the car is coming from, and then we see the scene we saw in the trailer of the car getting shot at, tire exploding, going into the ravine. Obviously, he sees this, and he's like, oh fuck, so he drops all his equipment, and he goes and runs down, and he jumps in the water to go help. But as he jumps in the water, we see that under the bridge... There's a guy, and the guy runs up and runs across the bridge away from the scene of the crime. Hmm. So he jumps into the water, and he sees that in the back seat there's a woman, and she's like, help, help, oh my god. And he's trying to open the door, but like, we know this, that never works. That's, does, that doesn't work on cars. He can't open the door underwater. And he goes to the front seat and sees that there's a man in there who has, like, this huge gash in his head and is bleeding profusely. So it's like, he doesn't look like he's going to make it. Mm -hmm. So he's more focused on the girl in the back. She's obviously alive. So he ends up getting a rock from the bottom of this lake, pond, whatever. It's not, like, super, it's not, like, the ocean or anything. 
And he bashes the window in, and he ends up saving her. He saves her. He saves her. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. she's the annoying chick. Yeah, the chick who is bad at acting in the trailer. Yeah. Nancy <laughs> Allen. John yeah. Allen's evil twin. Sorry, Whoa. Nancy. Sorry, Nancy. Nancy. It's very, we'll talk about it, but it's it's very of the time acting. At the hospital, because he took her to the hospital, and he's, like, wet and in, like, hospital clothes. Jack is being questioned by a cop who is like, okay, so you say you heard the tire blow out, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, yeah, but there was, like, a, a bang before the blowout. And he goes, no, that would have just been the sound of the blowout or, like, an echo or something. And he's like, I literally work in sound. <laughs> it was a bang, and then the tire blew out. And the cop is, like, kind of dismissing him. And he ends up finding out that Jack recorded it. And he's like, oh, shit, you have a recording. Like, you know, that's really important. But he's being so weird about it. Like, weirdly dismissive of what Jack has to say and, like, kind of not believing him and, like, just asking him really weird questions. Like, oh, so there was a girl in the car. He's like, yes. And he's like, I don't think there was a girl in the car. And he's like, I literally, why do you think I'm at the fucking hospital? Mm -hmm. There's a woman in there I pulled out of a car. He's like, "Mm, I don't know about that. And he starts asking him these weird questions and Jack is like, okay, I, he literally goes, what are you doing? And he leaves the room because he's like, this is fucking, you're being weird and unprofessional and I'm, and he leaves. So he goes to check on the woman that he saved and she's like super out of it. I don't know if they like gave her pain meds or if it's just because like the lot locks of oxygen and stuff when she, like, I think they probably had to give her CPR and stuff. So she's very out of it. Um, but she's like trying to get up and leave. And Jack is like, you need to rest. You're literally in the hospital. You almost died today. And they kind of flirt a little bit, and she says that her name is Sally. This is where I wanted to talk about her acting. I said she kind of acts and talks like a baby, (laughs) which I don't like, and it definitely bothered me for the whole movie. But I also think, like, people really be doing that stuff, especially back then, like, because a lot of men thought that was cute. It's like, oh, she needs me, you yeah. know? Yeah. And especially because he saved her from this accident, it seems very much like that kind of a complex. Or like fetishizing childlike behavior now. <laughs> Great. Yes. Thanks, men. We yeah. love a damsel. Great. It is. It's we love a like, baby damsel. A baby. baby damsel. It's very I'm like... just a baby who f- uncovered a government conspiracy. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I'm a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a big, big baby. Um, well, I also just did that on Daniel's podcast. <laughs> it's a gem. Everyone needs to hear Big, Big Baby by Whitmer Thomas. And so, anyway, she keeps, like, trying to get up, and he asks her out for a drink, but, like, not right now, like, sometime. And she says yes, but then as he tries to leave, she's like, no, I want to come with you. I'm a baby. <laughs> oh, he likes to get babies drunk now. Yeah. He he's into underage drinking. drinking. <laughs> so he he convinces her to stay and rest by saying, oh, I'm not going to have a drink with you if you don't go to sleep. And she's like, Fine. So then he leaves the room. He's going to go home. She needs a punishment. Ew, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a spanking when you go home. Baby, take a nap. Will baby not get drinks? <laughs> I hate everything. This movie gets a zero. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So he goes out into the hall because he, like, wants to leave. But all of a sudden, the lobby of the hospital is packed. There's tons of reporters, tons of police, and tons of randos. And it's like, what the fuck? And Jack is kind of looking around all confused, and these cops come and try to talk to him. And he's like, I'm just trying to go home. Like, can I have my stuff and leave? 
and they kind of push him into a room and they say, do you know who died in that car? He's like, I don't know. Some, some guy. Like, I wish I could have saved him, but he was already gone. And they Mc go, Ryan. that was Mick Ryan. Who was Mick Ryan again? The guy who was leading the polls to be president. leading the polls. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So Governor Mick Ryan died in that car. And they say to him, we hear you pulled the woman out of the car and saved her life. And he's <gasps> like, I did. And they go, you need to not tell people that she was in that car. And he's like, why? And this scene is a little bit strange, in my opinion, because their reasoning is he has a family. Don't tell them that he was, like, having an affair Mm -hmm. when he died. And they're like, can you keep that under wraps so his family doesn't have to deal with that embarrassment? And he's being very, like, no, I'm I'm so going to tell. And I'm kind (laughs) of like, I don't know, as a human being, I think my reaction as him would be like, you're right, that must be really difficult for them after losing a loved one to yeah. then find out he died with, like, some other woman. And you have no right to his life or anything. Like, you don't know him. Right. Yeah. But but he's very, like, all about the truth. And then I was like, maybe a motivation is, but I want people to know I saved someone's life. But it really seems like he's mm-hmm. very just like, I want people to know, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of complexity to the situation, but essentially Jack is very, like, I want the truth out there. And he doesn't really, like, say yes or no, but he agrees to slip out the back with the woman, with Sally. Um, So Jack and Sally do sneak out the back, and they're driving in his car, and he's going to go drop her off at home, but she's like, well, I don't want to go home. I'm worried that the reporters are going to find me there because we don't know where her purse is. She doesn't know if they, like, recovered it from the lake. They don't know if it's at the hospital. They're not really sure. And she's like, they're going to figure out I was there. They're going to come to my house. I don't want to be alone. And he's like, well, the same thing could happen to me. And again, she's like really out of it right now. And she's like, well, then let's just go to a motel. Ew, I hate, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Call a friend. Does she have no yeah. friends? He's a stranger. Maybe she has no friends. That's... Or maybe she's like, this guy saved me. I can trust him. I don't like that. To To set the record straight, nothing happens. There's nothing weird going on. She is acting like she's drunk. And there's this like, <laughs> I thought it was really funny because it seems so realistic. He like carries her into the bed and puts her on the bed, but, like, the sheets are pulled up, right? Like, they would be. Like, the bed is made. And so he has to, like, <laughs> like flop her over while he's trying to, like, pull the blanket out from under her and then, like, flop her back in the bed. It was just, I thought it was very funny. Because usually funny, I feel like you funny. see a man, like, romantically carry the woman to bed and lay her down Perfectly under the covers. Like, yeah. And it was, like, really, she's just, like, a little rag doll. It was great. He ends up getting his sound equipment out of the car, and he spends, like, the whole night reviewing the sounds that he heard, and this is a pretty cool scene where he takes a pencil and he, like, mimics the action he would have been doing with the microphone. Yeah. And we're seeing the flashbacks of what we've already seen, but now we're seeing them from his point of view rather than, like, this omniscient point of view. So he's not in these flashbacks. It's, like, from his point of view. I like that. So we see, like, the frog from a different angle and the couple from a different angle and stuff, and it's pretty cool. And then there's... um, this oh what is it called a split diopter shot do you guys know what that is explain it the only reason i figured out what it is is because someone on letterboxd gave it a name and i was like is that what the thing is i've been trying to google what it's called and it is essentially it's where there's someone's face in the foreground and something's happening in the background oh yeah and they're both in focus and it almost looks like they're weirdly superimposed on the screen. Yeah, yeah. And so they have that a lot in this movie. That's, like, their their favorite shot in this movie. So they do it with the owl, where the owl's in the foreground and him recording sounds is in the background. We also see it here, and this is one of the most interesting shots of the movie because it's just, like, a trip to look at. 
It's his face as he's remembering things. So he's in the foreground. But we also have the car kind of in the foreground. But the car isn't moving. We are following the road. It's like kind of hard to explain. But like we're watching the road move. The car is staying still, but the wheels are moving. So we're just getting like this close up of what he thinks happened to the car. And we see a gunshot spark, like the, the flash of a gun. And we see the tire pop and like as it deflates so he hears all these sounds on his thing and he's like piecing it together and he's like there was definitely a gunshot but it is confirmed that the tire was not just a blowout it wasn't like a tire that just you know got too hot or had too much pressure like it was definitely shot based on what we've heard Mm -hmm. in the next scene we hear that mystery noise that i played the recording up for you guys Mm. and it's on top of the score so it's kind of like added into the background noise we hear and it's as we're being introduced to our villain of John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. Should I play it like throughout all of our recording today? <laughs> oh god, just in the background. <laughs> Drive the listeners crazy. <laughs> yeah. John Lithgow in his back seat has a tire that looks like it's been blown out and he sneaks into the station where they're holding the car for evidence and he replaces the tire he has with the nice. one that's been shot. So that it He's looks like... Government. Government. So that it looks like this tire actually did have a blowout if anybody checks. Yeah. Jack is then woken up by Sally, who asks if he's listening to music, because he's got these headphones on and he fell asleep listening to his stuff. They discuss his profession, and she's like, oh, that's so cool. I want to do makeup in movies. Um, and he kind of changes the subject. Like, they're kind of having this bonding moment, but it's clear that she wants to talk about this lighthearted stuff, and he's like, let's talk about the conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> and so he wants to talk about the accident, and he replays the sound for her, and he's like, this is the sound of your tire being shot out. And she's like, that's depressing to listen back <laughs> to. Like, I don't really want to talk about that right now, which I understand. Like, bitch almost died. Like, don't play my almost death on the thing. Anyway. I put it on vinyl. Yeah, and so that's like her birthday present. Um, but he goes, well, I hit clips of it. <laughs> but he, uh, he's like, well, what were you doing in the car in the first place? And she gets really upset, and she's like, why are we even talking about this? I'm leaving. She's very offended, and he regrets bringing it up. And he's like, okay, okay, we don't have to talk about that. Can we still go get a drink? And she's like, okay, I'll be staying at my friend so-and-so's house. You can look her up in the phone book back when you could do that. So you do Hold have on. friends. I have a question. Yeah, why didn't you say with that friend? I, I also have a question. She was given a blowy to the governor. Blowout, am I right? <laughs> Blowing. <laughs> she, she was in a relationship, a secret relationship with this governor. Okay. But, and now he's dead. The guy that she was in a relationship is yeah. dead. And she's like, you want to get a drink of John Travolta? Nice. Ooh, she's the baddie. <laughs> That's why she's talking like a baby. <laughs> At the end of the movie, she's going to go, I've had a voice like this the whole yeah. time. It just, I'm not really, like, trying to, like, get into this too deep or anything like that. It just, like, occurred to me. Like, yeah. Why isn't she mourning him more? Why isn't she mourning him more? I'm not saying that this is, like, a theory or anything. I'm just, like, commenting on the fact that, to me, if there's nothing behind it, mm-hmm. it feels like they're trying to insert a romantic relationship mm. into this movie 
between her and John Travolta for entertainment. Right? Wouldn't it be cooler if it was, like, a kid that he saved and they were, like, don't talk about the kid or something and he was, like, trying to, I don't know. It was, like, a Terminator 2 bond. Yeah, because that makes sense, like, why he would have to protect them and stuff. And right now it just feels weird. Like, so you do have friends. You can leave. Yeah. Yeah. Are you not sad at all? You want to go get a drink? Also, why are you asking out a girl who was clearly having an affair? Yeah. Mm. It's weird. Yeah. Solid questions. Back at work. Jack's director friend, the guy that we saw from the beginning, is like, oh, there's a guy on the news who has footage of the accident. And we see the guy that we saw under the bridge, the one who mm-hmm. ran away. So we see that this man had recorded the whole thing, so not with sound, but with the footage. And on the news, they're like, do you think that the governor lost control of his car? And do you think that he was alone? And the man is like, well, obviously he lost control of his car. He wouldn't have gone to the lake. And he thinks he's so funny. And he's, like, kind of a gross guy. Like, they make him, they try to make him really, like, he's a pig. He's, like, not nice. He's gross. He's scary. And he's like, yeah, obviously he was alone. Like, blah, blah, blah. You don't see anyone in the footage, do you? And they're like, no, you're right. And obviously this pisses Jack off because he's like, it wasn't an accident. And the governor wasn't alone. So because Jack has seen this... He picks up, um, it doesn't look like a newspaper, it looks like a magazine, but it must have just been printed because it has all the stills from the footage we just saw of the car accident. So he takes it and he locks himself in the animation room, like obviously he's supposed to be working so he's like kind of shut himself in there, and he's looking at all these still photos of the accident and he decides he's going to recreate the footage so he can piece it together with his sound. Does he make so, a little flip book? He does. <laughs> wow. So it's pretty cool, though. So at first he, like, sees if it'll work by, like, cutting out all the pictures and making a few of them into a little flip book, and it looks pretty good. So what he does is he cuts out all, like, 30 pictures or so. There's, like, a lot of pictures. He cuts them all out, and we see how intricate of a process it is, and we watch him go step by step. It's like... He has to cut them out, put them on this little thing, take a picture of each one. It's like a whole thing, but he puts it together into a pretty rough cut of the stuff. And he's like, sick. So he has to take it to his like developer friend or something, but he recreates the whole thing. And he's going to add his sound to it also. He then calls Sally to find out that she can't have a drink because she's about to take a train out of town. And he's like, what the heck? Uh, I'm coming right now. And he convinces her to have a drink before the train leaves. So then they go to a little bar that's, like, probably at the train station, because it's a, it's a big train station, like, the kind in London, like, where there's restaurants and shops and all that kind of stuff. They are discussing, again, him being in the sound industry, and they talk about her doing makeup, and she kind of talks him through certain things, like, look at my look right now, like, it's supposed to look natural, but I'm actually wearing a fuck ton of makeup, it took me two hours, and then he's like, well, what if we wanted to do special effects? And she's like, oh yeah, here's how you do a broken nose, and they... They kind of go back and forth talking about all these things. And she asks how he got into sound. And he's like, well, I was always interested. He kind of talks about stuff he did as a kid. But then he says he ended up in the army and then the police force before I finally did movies. And she's trying to kind of pry about his time as a cop. But he keeps trying to switch the subject back to movies. He's like, I don't want to talk about Traumatic that. past. And he's like, well, I wasn't actually a cop. I was helping catch crooked cops. And she's like, oh, and again, she keeps digging after several attempts to change the subject. I don't trust her. After several attempts to change the subject, he finally tells a story, which we get to see in a flashback. And he talks about how he used to wire people, like that was his specialty. So it still had to do with sound. Um, And he said there was a man named Freddy who was trying to out his captain as being involved with the mob. 
So we then see a flashback where he's wiring Freddy. He puts a little battery pack on him. He puts a little wire on him, and he tells him what to do and how he'll be able to hear him. So Jack and another just random cop who works there are in a car, and they're listening to Freddy and some mobsters, and I think probably the captain they're trying to out. They're all having, like, this conversation. They end up having to follow them in the car, but we see that Freddy is, like, sweating profusely, and Jack is kind of telling the story on top of the flashback, and he says that he didn't account for the fact that he might sweat because he was nervous to be, like, doing this operation, and because he's sweating, it makes his battery pack, like, short circuit, and it starts burning his skin. And so that's why he's, like, and he starts having these, like, pain in his stomach, and he's, like, keeling over in the back of the car with all the mobsters, and he's, like, I gotta get out, I have to go to the bathroom. And he runs out and runs into, like, some public restroom. And Jack is obviously very nervous, like, what the fuck's going on? He can't really hear him anymore because the battery pack had fucked up. And then the mob guy goes into the bathroom to check on him, like, to see if he's okay. And Jack is like, I gotta go do something. Like, that's bad news. What if he sees him or is in there to go hurt him or something? And he runs in there as the mobster is leaving, and his friend, the cop, has been hung with the wire. And there's, like, this shot that we see of his feet swinging in the bathroom Mm -hmm. as John Travolta leaves. And he's obviously very upset when he finishes telling this story, and Sally tries to comfort him and stuff, and... He doesn't want to talk about it anymore, and he's like, okay, well, back to the car accident. And he finds out that Sally was paid by the governor's assistant to leave town, so that's why she's at the train station. Mm. And he convinces her to stay and says, we can go away together with the money once this is all over, but we really need to tell people the truth. We then see, like, right after this scene, that Lithgow is stalking Sally, and he has a picture of her. And that's that part in the trailer that was really dramatized, where he's like, I'm going to get rid of her, or whatever he said, terminate her. Yeah. He's, like, kind of following her around the mall and all these different other little shops, and he grabs an ice pick that he finds, like, in a meat, or not a meat, like a fish cooler thing. He grabs this ice pick, and he's, like, following her around, and we see uh, she's, like, about to get on a bus, and then all of a sudden, because she's the last one in line for the bus, he kind of, like, comes out from behind this fence and starts strangling her and pulls her back behind the fence before anyone can notice she's gone. And then the two of them tumble down a hill, but he's, like, still got her neck in this thing. And so she's, like, being strangled all the way down to the hill. But then when they finally get to the bottom of the hill, she is dead. Oh, wow. And he flips her over, and it's not Sally. <laughs> oh, my God, he kills someone random? <laughs> it's somebody else. Oh, my God. Um, but it's a girl who looked just like her. Like, she has the same hair. She's wearing a similar coat and stuff. But it wasn't her. That sounds um, like a major oversight for a government cover-up <laughs> operation. <laughs> um, she looked kind of like the girl. But then Oops. he takes out the ice pick that he has, and we see him repeatedly stabbing her in the stomach. And we will find out why, but right now it's not clear. It's like, she's already dead. Why you be stabbing her with the ice pick? We then see Sally go to the bridge boy's house. Boy we saw under the bridge who had the camera and took the footage of the car. And we realize that they know each other. I, I know. I don't think that she was in a actual relationship with the governor. She was trying to get dirt on the governor. He was hiding in the back seat. It, no, I think that he went there to go record that they were having an affair so that they could bring it to the press and he mm. would get negative press. Mm. Mm. You know, he, that's why she doesn't even care about the fact that he's dead. <laughs> because she wasn't really in love with him or anything like that. Gotcha. She was trying to get dirt on him. Maybe she was trying to blackmail him or something. 
And this guy's name is Manny, this bridge boy. I keep calling him bridge boy. Uh, she confronts him about almost getting her killed and is like, where did you go after the accident? And he very, like, he's not sorry at all. He's like, oh, well, I saw that guy jump in. And so I was like, he has it covered. And he's very like, who gives a fuck? And she's obviously upset because this guy that she knows wouldn't go save her. That's all we see for now. Jack has just gotten the footage of the car accident, the one that he made, like the kind of, so it's not going to be as nice as like the original footage, but the one that he made, he just got it back from the developer and he's looking over the tapes and he's trying to piece his sound effects in, in a way that makes the story clear. And this is another cool scene where we get to like see very behind the scenes of how all this shit works. And he's like marking the tape on where certain parts of the sound effects are and like playing it back and rewinding. It's very cool. And again, it's very, um not digital, so he has to do this all by hand. It's cool. Mm -hmm. um, he notices when he's looking back and forth at these two specific frames that you can see a little flash of light that he thinks is proof of the gunshot. Because you're looking at the fence, and in one frame there's nothing there, and in the next one there's like a big burst of light right next mm -hmm. to that part of the fence. And so he's very excited about that, obviously. Um, he wraps up like, all the stuff that he's just made with the sound and the tape and everything, and he puts it in a neat little package in his ceiling to hide it. He then takes this information to the police, and he has pictures of the flash part of it, and he's, like, talking to this detective, and he says, you need to check the tire for a bullet hole. And they argue because the detective is like, the governor's office said it's an accident, like, no big deal. And he's like, you're a fucking detective, it's not an accident, go check out the car. And the detective is like, well, I don't know why I would trust you for after you put all those good cops away. So it's clear there's, like, this beef because he's a cop and he knows mm -hmm. that he used to out cops, which they probably weren't good cops, but if they're this guy's friend, I'm sure he feels that way. Mm -hmm. And they argue about it, and the detective is like, my contempt for you won't stop me from doing my job. Like, I'll still send the tapes to the lab for evidence. But he, like, doesn't really get why Jack cares so much anyway. He's like, why does it matter? Like, the guy's dead. And Jack is like, well, if they can kill McRyan, who's next? And the detective says, it all sounds a little bit too conspiracy for me. We see Lithgow on the phone, and his name is revealed to be Burke. So his name is Burke. He's on That's the phone. That's his first name? I it. guess. Okay, Burke Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> this is him all grown up. <laughs> yeah. So Burke is on the phone with some other guy. And the guy is, like, reprimanding Burke for what he did. And he says, all we were supposed to do is get pictures. We then see Jack is looking for Manny, and we find out that Manny, like, runs a photography business, like, out of the back of a really run-down wedding dress shop. So it's, like, he advertises it as, like, wedding photos, but that's not, like, what yeah. he really does. And so Jack is back there, and he, but there's a cop there, like, in the lobby of this little tiny room where the photography studio is. And Jack goes in there, and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm just a customer picking up pictures. And the cop's like, yeah, we've had a lot of customers coming in and trying to pick up pictures like in quotes basically <laughs> and he's like here's the customer i just had who offered me a thousand bucks for this photo and it's a photo of sally with her titties hanging out in bed with some random guy and so essentially he's like manny guy does some little divorce work on the side so it seems like they're always taking these pictures to get people to pay to buy them back like a pi mm -hmm. yeah we're back at burke's phone call but they're like you know there's piecing these together in a certain way, so I cut it up. Back on Burke's phone call, he says to the man on the other end that this was his original idea, idea all along to kill McRyan. And the guy's like, we literally told you not to do that. We only needed pictures. 
And Burke's like, yeah, but the objective was still achieved because now Mike Ryan isn't going to win to be president. And he says... Wait, they're just coming out and saying, like, what we know? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So he wow. he was hired to get rid of him as president, but it was going to be with this photo This seems situation. really fumbling. Yes. But instead, he was like... <laughs> I just killed her because that's fun. Mm. Uh, it seems like he's like definitely got some issues in the brain, and it's not just that he wanted to get this guy to office. He was like, "Now's the time when I get to be a killer." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "So now all that's left to do is kill the girl." And he goes, "I already have a plan in motion to make it seem like a series of unrelated sex killings." So that's why he killed that first girl because she looked like her. So then it's going to seem like a serial killer that's not related to the election. Um, but the man on the other end is like I don't want any part of this I never want to hear from you again Um, we see the director of that that movie again the co-ed frenzy or whatever and he's (laughs) this seems funny he's got like two women in a sound booth trying to record better screams for Um. the girl in the bathroom or whatever and they're testing out different screams and it goes on for like a really long time and they're it's like it goes it's fucking insane. <laughs> so the girls are like taking turns and they're pulling each other's hair and being like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and he's like uh and then Jack comes in and he's like I'll be in my editing room if if you need me and the director's like no what like you literally haven't been around what the fuck are you doing? We have a list of sound effects that we need you to get. And they, they're like, go work on those. And he hasn't even, like, started on any of them for this movie. And he's like, okay, okay. So he goes to his editing room where all of his effects are. They're kind of like, you know, they look like DVDs almost. And there's just tons and tons of them in the room. And he's like, okay. So he's starting to try to, what seems like he's got to do his job. So he's looking for the effects to put in the movie. And there's this really cool shot where the camera is, like, slowly spinning around the room. So, like, we'll see John Travolta every once a 360 Mm because it's just continuously going around the room. And he takes out one of his sound effects, and he puts it on the little machine, and he plays it. And it sounds like kind of this weird thumping, but, like, it doesn't sound like an actual sound effect. Like, it sounds like something weird's going on. And he's like, hmm. And he takes it off, he tries another one. And again, the camera's still doing this little spinny thing this whole time. And he starts trying all his sound effects, and they're all fucked up. All of his sound effects? All of his sound effects are blank. So the thumping is just of the machine trying to read them. And the camera is spinning faster and faster as he's getting, like, more frantic. Trying to, He even, like, leaves the room to get other ones. He's, like, throwing the cases all over the room and putting them on the machine and stuff. And he's like, what the fuck? And it's not working. They're all blank. And all of a sudden, his secretary comes into the room, and the camera stops spinning. And it's also supposed to be, like, kind of spinning to mimic the spinning of all the empty things. Yeah. And she comes in, and the camera stops spinning, and she's like, why won't you answer the phone? The police keep calling for you. And he goes, was someone in here today? And she's like, what? Why are you asking me that? And he's like, was someone in here today? And she goes, well, the guy who came to fix your machine. And he's, like, trying to interrogate her about it more, but she goes, ugh, I can't talk to you right now. And she leaves. But, yeah, none of them are working. And he finally answers the phone from the cops, and the cop on the other line is the detective we saw him talking to we, to earlier. And the cop is like, those tapes that you gave me are blank. Is this, like, a joke? And the detective is like, obviously doesn't believe him now, has lost all credibility because the tapes he gave them that were going to blow open the conspiracy are blank. Just like all the fucking tapes in his workshop. Not the ones in his ceiling. So that's the halfway point. Good job, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Sally is the next victim because these people can't be trusted and they'll 
they'll double cross anyone on their side. Doesn't really matter. Mm. They're gonna get John Travolta as well. That's the plan at least. And who's in charge? I don't know. I feel like Sally is a part of a plot that she doesn't fully understand. Yeah. Like maybe I she mean, didn't know by taking part in yeah. this whatever is happening that she would also be offed as somebody who is expendable. I mean, we need to keep in mind if he hadn't jumped in the water, she'd be dead right now. Yes. Mm. That's true. She didn't realize that she was expendable, yeah. I feel like. And that's why she's so scared later in the trailer. She's like reaching out for yeah. help or something. All of his tapes are messed up, but he has backups, so that's great. I got nothing. I really, I, they're going to try to get her. He's got the tapes, and he's going to go to some news source to, to release them, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I'm hoping that there's something here that we're just not getting, like, that will be twisty at the end. Mm. Because, cut and dry, it seems like there was a government cover-up, mm-hmm. this guy was there when he wasn't supposed to be, and he's trying to reveal the truth. Mm-hmm. That people were trying to fuck up the potential new president, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe oh the new the current president the is current the bad president guy. is the bad guy yeah. and he's the one who like initiated all of this stuff. Mm. That's why it's a government cover up. So maybe he'll out the current president. I don't think he has any real information on him, but maybe Sally does, and maybe Sally's like, oh well, here's all the stuff that I know. I have very little faith that her character will amount to anything more than just a, a damsel in distress. Mm. I think she will time. die. I think she will die. Oh. Mm. I think Sally will die. I don't think she gets past the parade that we saw in the trailer. Mm. You know, and then it'll be up to John Travolta to whistle up. The parade looked like such a public affair of Mm. him killing her publicly. Yeah, I was going to say before that, like, I love public deaths. Like, (laughs) in movies and stuff where someone far away is like, I'm dying! And someone across the way is like, help him! Help them! But then like, they're and dead. I know and what you did last summer. Yeah, like it's oh. too late. You know? oh, okay, I gotcha. Like, I will say too. I was maybe gonna tell you this at the end. Um, also, I'm sure you probably already, to a degree, have like inklings of this. But a big part of this movie was like, let's talk about the JFK assassination. Let's talk about how the government covers shit up all the time. Have they mentioned it? Or you're saying JFK? like that's, Yeah, or you're saying that's like what Brian De Palma was trying to do. That's like part of what Brian De Palma was trying to do. Hmm. But also, like, there's that line where, um, I will say also at the end of this movie, I think there's a lot of things where it's like, you can take this movie literally. You can take it as a political thing. You can take it as some other things I won't talk about right now because it'll give away things in the movie. But I saw people on Letterboxd just like talking about all these things that I was like, I didn't pick that up, but I like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very open to interpretation. Um, but there was that line earlier where he's like, if they can cover this up, like, what's next? You know, if the government has too much power... Chernobyl in two years, my dude. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, in that case, Sally's the Marilyn Monroe character. The Kennedys killed Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Is that real? It's possible. (laughs) Next up on our government conspiracy podcast, <laughs> it's yeah. We're, we're rebranding. Yeah. <laughs> we explain conspiracy. I'm theories. inspired. Yeah. Mm. Which one of us is a 9/11 truther? <laughs> what if Jack gets to Jack like Jack Kennedy? <laughs> Dude, maybe that's why they named him that. Honestly, <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, are you kidding? <laughs> I'm saying, what if he gets too involved? 
to the point where they're going to be forced to frame him as the murderer. Dang. Okay, so I thought the ice pick thing, like, they're going to, I'm guessing he's going to stab more people with the ice pick, and then I figured they would plant it on Jack. I would like this movie if Jack ended up in prison and it was like, <laughs> the sound effects artist gone mad. Mm. <laughs> or the ex-cop gone mad who did this, this, and this. Yeah. And then Sally, like, flips her hair and she walks away from meeting him at jail. And she's like, <laughs> She's like, guess I gotta get away with it. And she's, she walks away and she goes, happy birthday, <laughs> Mr. President. Cool. I like is, those predictions. Is that enough? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's plenty. I don't want this movie with a shit trailer to make me feel dumb. <laughs> like, I will not be bested by it. We hopefully one of those things is right that we said. Cool. <laughs> okay, cool. We see an overhead shot of the room with the scattered tapes from the ones he was throwing all over the room. And it, it is a pretty cool shot. But it's sad because all his, it's like, can you imagine how much time he spent getting all those and now they're all blank? Like, that is super sad. Mm Cost the studio money, too. He's on his way out to see Sally, but there's a reporter at the front desk of his building who's named Frank Donahue, and he's waiting to talk to Jack. And he's like, basically pressures him into talking to him, and they go into a separate room, and he says, I believe the story that you've been telling, and I know that there was a girl in the car, and I know that you have a recording of a gunshot. So there's other people out there that have got their hands on this other narrative. So it's not like Jack's the only one who knows. Mm -hmm. And he says what you guys kind of said, where he's like, people aren't going to believe it's real. They're going to think I made it up because I'm a sound guy. They're going to think I made all the footage. And he kind of did, because he doesn't have his hands on the real car footage. Yeah. So the footage he has is just from pictures. His sound is real, but how are people even going to believe that? Yeah. Donahue says that people always believe what he says, and he can spin the story any way that he wants. So he shouldn't worry about whether it's real or not. People like to believe shit. Okay. (laughs) And Jack is like, okay, great. And so they decide to meet up later. Jack grabs the tapes that he put in the ceiling, and he goes to Sally's to show them to her. And she watches them, and she's like, oh my gosh, you're right, I did hear a gunshot. Like, it's kind of coming back to her her experience in the car. Mm. But they argue about whether or not to give the tapes to Donahue because, you know, people like to believe cover-up stories. They want to believe what's easy. Conspiracies are harder to sell. And Sally's, like, not really caring about people finding out the truth. But Jack's like, well, you're just as involved as me. Like, why is this not bothering you? And he says that he knows the real reason she was in the car in the first place. And she's kind of like trying to deflect, but he's like, I've literally seen a picture of your boobs. I know what you were doing. And he asks her to think about the fact that her friend Manny put her in a situation where she almost died. He's like, that doesn't bother you? And she kind of, like, is caught off guard by this. She hasn't really thought about it before. And she's like, what? No, he wouldn't do that. And He did. And and she's like, no, I, I don't think that it really matters. Like, maybe we should just keep our mouths shut, blah, blah, blah. And she seems just very naive about the fact that he would have been involved and, like, the fact that her friend, who's a scumbag, could have betrayed her. And she doesn't think that he knows about the gunshot at all. Um, She tells him this job was supposed to be simple. Like, it's just taking some photos. And she says, I've never even had sex with them. It's like, we just get into bed, and then he snaps the photos, and then it's done, right? And she's like, we use the pictures to blackmail people. They give us money. Like, that's how we make a living. She, like, kind of talks about, like, morality behind it. And she's like, well, Manny always says that it's not even, like, that bad of a thing to do because if people are going to put their hands in the cookie jar, then they deserve to get them cut off. Like, you can't cheat someone who's honest, but she kind of realizes it's not really as black and white as that. And, like, she is doing something wrong, but she's been trying to convince herself she's not. 
So they're having this conversation, and, and Jack is like, well, who hired Manny? But she says she doesn't actually know. And he keeps trying to motivate her to help him figure this out because she seems so melancholy or, like, disinterested about it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I don't get why this doesn't bother you the way that it bothers me. Like, we could literally get killed. The person out there probably wants to silence you, and they're not afraid with killing, obviously, because they've already done it. And he says that the only thing that they can do to prove that this is all real is to get their hands on the original footage so that when he puts the sound with it, it'll actually look like a coherent, like, real thing, rather than the little flipbook version he made. So she goes to see Manny, and she starts kind of, like, asking him questions. And she tells him about the gunshot. He kind of tries to play it off, like, oh, no, that's not true. Like, it was just a candidate trying to get McRyan out of the race with some dirty photos. Who cares? And he goes, they just offered me six grand, which, yeah, okay, that did seem like more than usual, but I wasn't going to question it. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you told me it was three grand. So it's clear that not only does he not have her best interest in mind, but he's also been scamming her and taking more of the money because he's, like, in control of everything. Mm-hmm. She starts crying out of remorse because she realizes that something she was involved in got this man killed. And she's, like, feeling the weight of that because she didn't know this was going to happen. And she's mad because Manny got her into this. But he's not remorseful at all. He doesn't feel bad that she almost died either. He's like, well, you didn't. It's fine. I saw him go in there after you. It's fine. Like, don't know what you're complaining about. And he's just really gross. And they're kind of, like, extra showing it in this scene. So in the middle of their conversation, he goes in the bathroom and pees with the door open. And I'm just like, Mm. Mm. he's gross. And stupid anyway they sit on the bed and she's like just she's kind of getting frantic she's like i'm gonna go tell the truth i think people deserve to know what really happened so he kind of tries to like keep her there and he's like no it's fine he's consoling her and he tells her all these reasons why she shouldn't go tell people and she's like i need a drink so he hands her this like whole bottle of liquor that he was drinking out of and she starts drinking it and then the scene turns gross And he starts, like, kind of caressing her face and trying to, like, comfort her and calling her baby and stuff. And then, like, pushes her down onto the bed. And then it gets aggressive. Mm. And he's, like, assaulting her. And she smashes him over the head with the bottle of alcohol. And she gets out of there. And she steals the footage. And she leaves. Yeah. So Jack and Sally now have the footage of the accident as well. Jack and Sally. (laughs) 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 Nightmare before Christmas. Uh, (laughs) In my head, I was like, storybook names? I don't get it. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. So they now have the footage of the accident and the sound recording, and they decide they will give it to Donahue because why not at least try? And they can still make a copy so that if he gets rid of it or something, whatever. And so Donahue, he calls him back and he's like, we're going to do it. And Donahue goes, great. Can I interview Sally too? And he's like, she's kind of, like, not as into this as me. Like, I don't think she's going to go for it. And we see that Burke is listening on the phone call. So something they kind of hinted at earlier, but I didn't pick it up until, like, way later, is he works for the phone company. So in one of the earlier scenes, we see him wearing a hat that has, like, a phone logo on it. So that's his day job is he works for the phone company. So he's able to listen in on these phone calls. We then see Donahue trying to call Jack later to do the interview, but the line is busy because Burke has made it that way. Then Burke calls Sally, impersonating Donahue, and he convinces her to do the interview with him that she didn't actually want to do. And he's like, you know what? We don't even need Jack. We'll just do it with you. Sally goes to Jack's apartment, and she's telling him about the whole thing, and Jack is asking all the right questions like, 
wait, why did he call you? He was supposed to call me. Wait, how did he even get your phone number? Like, wait. And the whole thing seems super weird. And so now he's thinking that this guy is also involved in the conspiracy. I don't think he thinks it's a guy impersonating Donahue. I think he just thinks Donahue's up to something. So he decides, here's what we're going to do. You are going to go. You are going to take the tapes. I'm not going to come with you, but I'm going to wire you. So that if he tosses the tapes or something, we'll have it, and then we'll still have the tapes, and we'll be able to tell everyone, look, it's totally a cover-up, I have it on recording. Mm -hmm. So that's their decision. We see that they're going to go meet at a train station, and Burke is already there. He's reading a paper while he's waiting for Sally, and the paper has what is called the Liberty Bell Strangler is like the front page article about one of the girls he killed. I would call him the ice pick stabber. <laughs> so here's the here's the kicker. The thing he was stabbing into the victims was the shape of the Liberty Bell with the ice pick. So it's that's a, why they're calling him the Liberty ew, Bell Strangler. That's disgusting. That that's gross? a lot of stabs. That's a lot of stabs. Also the Liberty Bell is huge. <laughs> <laughs> Would he do some like mock sketch of it? Like an outline of a bell? It could be anything. Is it just yeah. like a big dome and then he's like, but here's the crack? I don't think that they should. I can't remember if they show us the stomachs. I don't think that they do. They just talk about it. Yeah, I think it's just because the parade's coming up that they're like, that's that's the association. And so yeah. now it looks like these are even weirdly political. I would never go to a train station. <laughs> <laughs> to meet someone, it's pretty gross, yeah. But while there's a Liberty Bell Strangler out there, oh, I would not yeah. go. Yeah. Um, we see another woman who has the same hair as Sally, and she's a sex worker. So we're like, oh, that's probably his next target. And then we finally get to see the mystery sound, guys. It's weird, though. This is what you'd see in the trailer. His watch. Oh, he yeah. He can flip open the face of the watch, and it's like a retractable thing. And it's making this weird, like, frit, frum, as it, like, retracts back. But it okay. just looks like he's, like, fidgeting with it. Then he follows the woman, and we see that what it actually is, is it's what he's been killing people with. Oh, so he that. pulls okay. it out further... And he follows this woman into the bathroom, and he strangles her with it. So it's like some kind of fishing wire or something. Yeah. And then we get a shot of her feet that mirrors the one we saw of the other guy who got hung in the flashback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she's the next victim of the, quote, Liberty Bell Strangler. Jack is setting up the wire on Sally in the parking lot of the train station, and he reassures her, you know, we have copies of the tapes, so if something goes wrong and he tosses them, it's fine. Like, that's not a big deal. And he also says, if something weird is happening, remember, you can say things and I will hear them. So you can, like, try to talk to me. So she goes to where she's supposed to meet, Donahue, in quotes. And while she's waiting for him, she's, like, talking into the microphone to him, like, hey, when we finally do leave town, we should go see plays in New York. Oh, man, we should Sally's go do... fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> we should go do this and this and this. And while she's talking, she gets interrupted by Burke being like, are you Sally? And obviously she thinks he's Donahue. So she's like, you're Donahue. And he's like, yeah. And he goes, this is going to sound crazy, but I think we're being followed. So we need to go somewhere else. And so he starts taking her to somewhere else in the train station. And we can't really see where it is. But the second he says we need to go somewhere else, Jack fucking bolts out of that car. So he still has the little, like... That's oh, what he's, he's been listening, listening to. to their recorded he's listening to the wire. Oh. So he can listen to it in real time. And he has, like, a little carrying case. So he's like trying to find where they went. So it's pretty cool because oh, yeah. it's like a chase scene, but he doesn't know where they went. He has to use his sound skills. So he goes into the train station. Obviously, they're not where he thought they would be because they've left. And he's, like, listening. And it's kind of, you know, it's all going really fast. And he ends up hearing subway turnstiles 
in the in the wire. So he goes to where the subway trains are. And he goes over there, but obviously there's a bunch of different like platforms that you can get onto and he's not sure where to go and time is running out. And she's being really smart. So she's like trying to say things into the microphone that would help, but obviously she can't just outright say stuff to blow their cover. But she says like, where are we going? And he won't say. And then she'll be like, oh, like the blood. Like she's kind of trying to describe her surroundings without it being obvious, but just none of it's working mm -hmm. because he's just not cooperating in the way that would help. Um, they get down to one of the subway platforms or whatever, and there's a few people down there, but not enough. It's pretty sketchy. And he's like, oh, let's go a little further. I don't want anyone to be able to hear us. And you can tell that he's, like, kind of slipping on his gloves because he's walking behind her. So she's talking, but he's behind her, so she can't see what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And they end up getting far enough away from people where he could kill her. And he starts to pull out the wire to choke her. And then all of a sudden, this power washer guy appears. And so he's like, oh, fuck. And she turns around. He hides the wire. And it's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you know what? Why don't we go down to the parade? And they, like, get onto the next subway car. And she makes a comment about the station that they're going to. Mm -hmm. So finally, Jack is able to actually pick which platform at the subway to go to but he makes it just a little bit too late and they are just taking off on the subway. Mm -hmm. So she's safe at the moment because they're on a subway car and they're heading toward the parade. He bolts it back to the car and this scene was a little bit, not that it got too out of control, but I feel like the, the, the way he behaves just went from like zero to a hundred. He's driving this car like there's no such <laughs> thing as police or traffic <laughs> laws. He straight up drives it into the parade. He's like, I gotta <laughs> save her. And people are having to like jump out of the way and shit. And then he crashes into a storefront and is knocked out by the crash. And surprisingly, people, rather than being like, what the fuck is going on? They're like, is he okay? <laughs> and so everyone, like, comes to the car and they're like, oh, no. And they don't really know what's going on. And they call an ambulance. That's what's happening there. Now it's cut, like, maybe an hour or so later. And Sally and Burke are kind of walking around in the dark a little bit away from where the parade is. Mm -hmm. And he asks about the tapes. And she's like, here you go. And he tosses them right into the water. <laughs> and obviously that is weird to her. And right about the time that this is happening, Jack is waking up in the back of the ambulance and is like, oh, fuck. And he puts the wire in his ear to, you know, make sure she's not dead or something. And the first thing he hears is her going, Jack's going to kill you for tossing all this stuff into the water. But then Burke starts putting his gloves on. And Sally's like, Oh, no. And she tries to run away, but he blocks her mouth and starts, like, dragging her somewhere else. So Jack heard, you know, that little bit of struggle and knows that she's actually, like, her life is in danger. And so he starts running. He's, like, frantically running through the crowd like we saw in the trailer. Things start to go in slow-mo. There's, like, a bunch of cool parade stuff happening. And the fireworks start to go. Mm. So obviously those are very, very loud. And he's listening, he can hear her struggling, but obviously that doesn't indicate where she is. And he's like, Burke is carrying her up this building. It seems like it's kind of near where the Liberty Bell is, but he's carrying her up this building, and they're kind of on, like, the ledge of this building. And we see that she does that little reach over the side and screams for him, like we see in the trailer. She's like, help me! And he hears it through his headphones, and obviously that doesn't indicate where she is, but he happens to look over in that direction and sees her up there mm -hmm. while she's screaming in his ear. And so he tries to make it up there. He's running up the stairs. It's so dramatic. And he finally gets up there. 
And there's, like, this huge American flag up there, too, because of the parade, and it's, like, right behind them. And Burke is lifting the ice pick to stab her, and Jack comes up behind him and grabs the ice pick and stabs Burke in the chest a bunch of fucking times. Wow, double tap. Stabs him dead. Like, so, it's very intense, and there's, like, fireworks colors going off and the flag behind them, and he drops him on the ground and he looks at Sally, and she's already dead. No. Sally's dead? No! Knew it. He was just yeah. gonna, he was gonna do the Liberty Bell thing, but he had already killed her. Him. No. And so he falls to the ground, and he holds her dead body, and this shot is, like, so fucking beautiful. There's these fireworks going off overhead mm-hmm. as the camera's, like, slowly twirling around them, and she's dead, and he's holding her, and it's just, like... Woo! That's a good shot. Mm -hmm. We then see him, it's like, I don't know if it's the next day or something, but he's sitting on a bench and it's snowing and he's listening to that part of the tape where she's like, we should go to New York and like go see these plays. Damn. And it's like really sad. And then it shows him like in his studio listening to more of it and it gets to the part of her murder and obviously that's got to be like really hard for him to listen to. And as we're like watching that, it's still playing the sound but it cuts to the movie of the girl getting stabbed in the shower and her scream is being used in the movie. That's horrible. And the guy, the director, goes, that's a good scream. And it pans over to Jack and he's like holding his ears while the scream is playing and he's like, it's a good scream. It's a good scream. Wait, he let him use it? He gave it to him. And that's the end of the movie. What? Okay. That's awful. <laughs> it is. Interesting. But we didn't really like her, so. <laughs> she had a good scream. A true artist. <laughs> Life weird. imitates art, you know what I'm very, saying? Very, very weird. <laughs> uh, I don't really know what else to say about it. Some of the things on Letterboxd were about all the political messages. And then a couple people were very, like... It's a metaphor for how women are, like, used for men's, you know, whatever men choose. Like, he uses her to try to out this conspiracy, and then he uses her scream even in death. Like, Mm. she was just a token. Which I agree with, but it also feels like that it wasn't trying to say that. That's literally just what movies are like, especially movies back then. Like, women are not really treated substantially in film, especially back in the 80s. And it just feels kind of like maybe giving Brian De Palma too much credit for that. Mm. Um, also, I forgot to mention this earlier, but he's the guy who made Carrie. I know. Directed oh, Carrie. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Ratings? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Three, two, one. Whoa, Jesus. Jesus! <laughs> eight and a half. Did you give it eight and a half, too? No, this is a four and a half. I gave it a four and a half. I gave it a five. I gave it an eight and a half. <laughs> I'm interested to see what you have to say about it. Mm. Personally, I'm just, like, not a fan of, like, government thrillers. Me neither. You know? The thing that, like, excites me the most about this movie is, like, some of the unique shots that it seems to use. I would be interested to see that. Mm -hmm. And I also really like how much we're delving into the world of audio. But, um, I don't know if I... I love that you said that thing about women being used Mm. about, you know, When I saw that review, I was like, did I just totally miss the point and that was the point of the movie and I'm stupid? Yeah, no, no, no. I don't think that. I think, I don't think that's something that I would be able to draw from watching the movie, but one of my problems with the movie is that I felt like Sally's character was weak. 
she's being the typical female character that we see in a lot of 80s movies where she's not very important and people need to like convince her to do stuff and right, like yeah. make her be like better you know whatever mm -hmm. she's like for the use of the main character it felt like to me yeah where while we were doing all of our predictions and stuff like that i was like Sally's fucking the driving force of all this like sneaky shit. Yeah. I thought that would have been more She's interesting. She's gonna be double crossing them. It's something that would only exist now, though. Yeah, that we get these these female villains yeah. who get to do things like that. So maybe I'm spoiled in that way, and that's why this this kind of movie isn't really landing with me. Again, always interested to see mm -hmm. how John Travolta fares. <laughs> you know, that yeah. would be really. And it seems like he has to do like some emotional stuff in this. So like that's interesting to me too. Mm -hmm. Just wasn't a film for me, maybe, mm. but I do like some of the innovative stuff that they're trying to do in it, which I'm sure is like a lot of the acclaim that made it get on the Criterion Collection. Yeah. I think right in the middle, because I haven't seen it, is where I'm going to go, because I do like the idea of some of these shots that you described. They sound like Brian De Palma knows what he's doing filmmaking-wise, and he tried to be innovative in a lot of ways. Where it lacks for me is completely the storytelling. I, mm. This story does not interest me in the slightest. Like, maybe I'll watch it because visually it sounds cool. And I like a good thriller. I just don't care for a government conspiracy thriller and one with such a weak female character. And I also don't feel like I know that much about Jack. I feel like mm. his backstory is there and that's great. But then the rest of it, I just feel like I'm going to be watching John Travolta. And it was like a... You're watching it to watch John Travolta as opposed to, like, point. the character. I might have preferred something more serial killer-wise. Like, the John Lithgow parts seem really good. Yeah. And so I yeah. think I would like his performance. But to get to that, I have to watch this Manny guy, which I don't care about. Yeah. I have to watch just some other things that I'm not totally on board with, with the female character especially. But it sounds cool filmmaking-wise, and I like the premise of a sound engineer uncovering something. I just wish yeah. that it were more the politics of it just that bores me mm -hmm. yeah but that's it I think going into it I thought like based on the synopsis I read you guys last week or whatever I th or not synopsis the like logline type thing yeah I think I had thought it was more what we get at the end with the scream being in the movie I think I thought he would find sounds like that and be like this is a murder yeah oh. and then like that's what it was about so I will say like initially I was a little upset that it was political as well yeah I don't, I just, like, never want politics to be in my thriller. <laughs> it seemed like he was uncovering, like, a snuff film, but only through sound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think John Lithgow does a great job as the murderer, mm -hmm. um, and I think he's very sinister. I think that all of his scenes are scary, and it's, like, once Jack is trying to convince her, like, there's somebody who's gonna kill you, yeah. I think that's very compelling. I really like everything about the end even the darkness of him putting in the scream just because I didn't think that would come back around and I was like holy fuck he's actually gonna use the death of someone that he presumably not loved that's a strong yeah. word they knew each other for like four days but someone who he mourned with the death of and then he's like I'll use this for the art I was like wow I didn't fucking see that coming mm -hmm. yeah Good call back. I really like the shot choices, even if they feel a little old, like the one with the tire. I was like, I've never seen a shot like that before. So yeah. that's pretty cool. The fireworks shot was beautiful. And yeah, I liked what a lot of people on Letterboxd had to say. I was like, I think all of these are really good takes and really good ideas. And I think it's a film where you can watch it through different sets of eyes and like get different things out of it. I do think I liked it better when I was watching it and taking notes. 
I think I always feel that way because yeah. you find things to appreciate. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm excited to tell them about this or this. So yeah, overall, I really liked it. Still not a 10 out of 10. It's not something that I think is like perfect, but I had a really good time and I think it's one of a kind. Yeah. Okay. Starting our watch list ads and recommendations, my watch list ad is something Courtney talked about earlier is Bowling for Columbine. Oh. It's been on my watch list for a really long time. It's a documentary I've always wanted to see, and you've inspired me. So now I'm bumping it toward the top of my watch cool. list. And then for my recommendation, I'm going to say the entirety of Dexter, but specifically season four. I love Dexter. I liked it on the rewatch. Season four is super good. I really, the first, I mean, I don't know. It depends. It depends on your opinion, but I really liked Dexter for a really long time. And season four is very good. Nice. Courtney here. Adding to my watch list is The Tragedy of Macbeth. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. The yes. teaser came out. Slappy. Um, it's my favorite Shakespeare. And I'm excited to see it done this way. It looks really cool. Uh, starring Denzel Washington and Frances McDormand. I swear to God, if she steals another Oscar this year. <laughs> um, but I'm excited for it. She's gonna steal it from Kristen. I will murder her. <laughs> you think that would happen? Kristen Stewart is winning the Oscar in 2022. Oscar yes. Frances can have supporting. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Funnily enough, my recommendation for the week is also Dexter. <laughs> but it's my favorite season, season mm, five. Fun. Season 5 with Julia Stiles, the Lumen season, peak everything. I'm sorry it doesn't have John Lithgow, but it has the <laughs> aftermath of his season. There's a lot mm-hmm. to it there, but that season owns my entire heart, soul, and ass, and I love it. <laughs> Specifically my ass. Yeah. yeah. Okay, for my watch list ad... Kimmy's recommending season 1 of Dexter. Yeah, you gotta pick a Dexter season recommend. <laughs> season 7, do it, bitch. <laughs> I recommend only episodes with Hannah McKay. <laughs> Um, for my watch list ad, guys, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Rewatching Dexter, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna add No Man of God, which is new 2021 movies with uh, Elijah Wood, yeah. and I love him, obviously, until my death. To Bundy? <laughs> no, I <laughs> Elijah Wood. Zach Efron. Um, Chad Michael Murray? No. <laughs> Chad Michael Murray. Did you see he's gonna be in a Ted Bundy movie? <laughs> As who? Ted Bundy. <laughs> You're kidding me. You're kidding me. No. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> um, and for my um, recommendation, I, I hope I haven't recommended it before, but it's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Nice. Mm. Kind of like thriller-esque, conspiracy-esque, kind of really good fucking movie. Wow, fucking coward. Didn't recommend Dexter. I know. <laughs> the Colin Hanks episode was right there after ours. <laughs> You could have done season six. Well, catch us next week. We're still in a spoopy mood, but we're transitioning into those wintry winter months. Mm-hmm. As Courtney and Kimmy explain, The Lodge, mm-hmm. a movie Kayleen will never see. Yeah, and we've but been wanting to hear. She yeah. will be forced yes. to hear. We've been wanting to do it for a while. That's like kind of a secret. Like you guys don't know, but we've been wanting to do it, and we're finally doing it. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think it'll be perfect for this time of year. Me too. As it gets darker and colder. Yes. This movie's definitely cold. This is a very cold movie. Catch us then.